0: family. May the peace of Christ be with you all. Our teaching text this morning comes from Psalm 103 verses 15 to 22. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. The word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning, Wise Hill family. Grace and peace be with you. If we haven't met, my name is Ashley. I'm one of our co-lead pastors here. Happy summer to you and to you who are watching online. I hope it's summer there also, wherever you are. Hey, to start this morning, let's try something a little different. Okay, you ready? Everyone just loosen up. Get ready. Let's see. Let's see how this is going to go. Sweet Caroline. Yes. Okay, okay. Let's try it again. Let's try one more. R E S P E C T. Ah, y'all know Aretha? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. One more. Ready? Oh, we're halfway there. Um, Troy, I think we got a Mars Hill Choir on our hands. Y'all sound fantastic. Give yourselves a hand be in the choir this morning. Um, So what has just taken place is evidence of the simple and yet profound fact that songs shape us. Songs shape us. From school dances, you remember prom if you went, to breakups, road trips to wedding ceremonies. There are certain songs that have given words to the range of human emotions and experiences. And we remember them. It took you all no time at all to belt out some of the most famous choruses in musical history. Why? Because they've captured us. They've captured our memories, our associations, and our moods, our affections, our attentions, and our time. Case in point, who else remembers staring at your radio with your Uh, Pointer finger and this one hovering over play and record at the exact same time. Anyone born after 2002 is like, what is she talking about? (laughs) Well, friends, let me tell you. I'll talk to this section. I see some youngins over here. What happens was you looked at your radio, you looked at your radio and you would, you would listen. For me, it was 104 KRBE in Houston, Texas. And you would hover those two fingers over the stereo, waiting for a very specific song to come on. And right at the beginning of the song, when you thought it was it, you hit it real quick. And then you would let it play, and then you would stop it, and then you would have that song on a cassette tape forever and ever and ever. And maybe the front part of the song was cut off just a little bit. But you had most of it. <laughs> and we, we were completely captured, weren't we? Whether it was Billy Joel or Backstreet Boys or Blackstreet No Diggity. Go look it up. Listen to it in the car. Blackstreet No Diggity. That's your homework. Repeat. So this summer, like a good mixtape, we are going to explore and together be captured by the ancient Hebrew songs and psalms and poetry and prayers that God's people had in them. That's what we are going to be formed in this summer, all from different periods in Israel's history. These 150 Psalms weren't just the top 40 tunes of the day. They weren't even necessarily meant to be a hymnal. As the Bible Project references them, these Psalms collected in the time of Babylon in exile, they were meant to be a new Torah. A new Torah, teaching God's people the lifelong practice of prayer as they sought to obey God's commands. And so this summer, we're choosing to press play. On this ancient mixtape that captured the breadth and the experiences of God's people. They're times of despair and triumph, of grief and praise. And the hope is that we do more than just find newfound appreciation in the Psalms. I, for one, and I would say our teaching team would agree, we hope that perhaps by the end of the summer, we might find ourselves shaped. We might find ourselves starting to pray differently because of them. As you know, the Psalms we're looking at this summer, you picked them. You submitted the Psalms that you wanted to learn about over these next few weeks. This morning, as you know by now, we are looking at Psalm 103, which is in, by the way, one of our top three most requested Psalms. You'll have to wait for the other two. Just keep coming back. But before we get to that psalm in particular, let's give a little bit of an overview of the full book so you understand how it's structured. It's not just haphazard. Psalms is divided into five books. And each book, as you can see, the chapter is broken out here with a little nuance, but we don't have time to go so deep. Look at that; All the chapters are broken out, and each book tells a different part of Israel's story. It would just be like chapter headings, in a different book that you're reading right now, each of these groupings tell a different part of the story. David wrote 73 of the Psalms, but you might be surprised to know that other Psalms were written by Asaph, the sons of Korah, Solomon, and Moses, and 49 are actually anonymous. So all these various writers are telling different parts of the story of Israel's history. But if you choose to read them in order there are really two major categories, two major genres, if you will, that occur. And that's the genre of lament and the genre of praise. And again, if you read them in order, lament shows up predominantly in books one through three. And as we move into books four and five, you'll see that praise starts to dominate. And again, though not exclusively meant to be a hymnal, I love what N.T. Wright says about this collection of prayers and songs. He says, the Psalms are designed as worship, the multidimensional worship in which every aspect of human life, every single one is laid as an offering before the God who comes to stand at the crossroads of time and space and matter they are truthful they are truthful the sincere outpourings of who and what the worshiper actually is and so as we begin this series i want to offer one challenge and that's to let this series invite you to be more truthful before god let this series invite you to be more truthful and honest before God. Just this past week, I went on a one-day solitude retreat an hour away from home because I realized it was becoming harder for me to find space to be fully honest before God. For those of you who are caregivers or have young children in the house who have work to tend to, who have friendships, it was becoming hard for me to say, God, I can't really, I can't really fall before you in front of, in front of you at home, because my kids might see. I can't really fall apart before you at work because we have cubicles now. I can't, I, can't really, I can't really tell this friend that I know that person would listen, but they've got other stuff going on. And so I needed to get away. I needed space in order to truly fall apart before God. And my, my hunch is that some of you feel the same way. And so my prayer is that just as the rocks cry out, just as the angels praise, so would we find ourselves, Mars Hill, fully sincere and truthful before God. So maybe just a heart check right now. What sincere outpourings would you have to offer God this morning? What's true about you as a worshiper before God today? This challenge I'm issuing to us is in part why I wanted to start with Psalm 103. It's a psalm of praise and thanksgiving, but its placement matters Its placement in the whole context of the larger book matters. It is situated honestly. Here's what I mean. Psalm 103 is part of book four, which overall is a book meant to be a response to the crisis that the people of God are facing in exile. So if you go to the beginning of book four, it opens with Psalm 90, which is a prayer of Moses, by the way. It's a prayer of Moses. And the prayer is very specific. It's for God to show mercy to God's people. In short, the situation is dire. And Moses is praying, crying out, God, would you, would you have mercy upon us? And as I look around the shed today and as I imagine some of the folks who might be tuned in online, I know that for some of you, the situation is dire. You showed up, you showered this morning, maybe you didn't, if you're watching online, that's okay. But your situation is dire. I know families within our community right now that are still at home recovering from COVID or other serious illnesses. I know families that are holding so much anxiety because of the rising prices of gas and rent around our city. I know families that are anticipating, individuals anticipating their loved ones crossing over from this life to the next in just a matter of days in hospice. And I know families like my own that are still recently grieving a loss. There are dire situations for many of us in this room and watching online. So if we were to tell the truth, perhaps we haven't left the first part of the book. But for those of us who have been cozied up to crisis, Psalm 103 is perfectly placed and right on time. So book four begins with Moses' cry, but by the time we get to Psalm 101, again, still in book four, we see a cry for justice. Psalm 102 is marked by despair. I mean, if you just read the heading of Psalm 102, this is a Psalm right before 103. It's the prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and is pouring out a lament before the Lord, someone who we're told in 102 verse four has forgotten to eat. There's something deep happening here. There's something dire happening here. And then finally, Psalms 103 and 104, which, by the way, are meant to be read together. They come immediately after the cries and the questions. They come immediately after the despair with these three words. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And in the verses that follow, we encounter a different story. We encounter promise. We encounter a God who cares. We encounter a loving and faithful God who cares for all of God's creation. So for those of us honest enough to cry out, this psalm is a reminder that a right on time promise is available from a loving and faithful God. It's right on time. Just like your favorite song that comes on and lifts you as you're literally pulling out the last Kleenex from the box. The song comes on and something in your spirit is lifted. Psalm 103 is meant to be proclaimed against a backdrop of bleak, not simply sung in isolation not simply proclaimed in carefree bliss. I, for one, this morning, am grateful for that kind of complex context in a world that seems to like to convince us that we have to choose one or the other, that we have to either choose perpetuated pain or forced optimism. I'm glad that Psalm 103 comes with that kind of context. It's organized Interestingly enough, with these three concentric circles, and I want to walk through each of these today. These circles mean it's not just David's personal poem. Many of the Davidic Psalms are really personal. And you hear David crying out, spilling his soul to the Lord. But what's interesting about Psalm 103 is that it's personal, but it also works its way out. And we'll see what that means in just a minute. So let's look at these three circles and see what invitations are held for us within each of them. So the first circle, it begins with praise as a personal command, verses one and two. What's interesting is this is a command. This is not a general suggestion. Like when you hear, throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care, do yeah, yes, he, he, got, he understood the assignment. You raise your hands at the party and you wave them. When you hear crisscross, jump around, who looks like the fool that's standing still? You jump, even if it's just a slight bend in your knee if that's all you got, right? David is saying, praise the Lord, oh my soul. This is not a suggestion. And he's speaking directly to his soul, his nefesh. This is not a disembodied kind of soul that we might imagine in our Western context. Like, oh, there's my body, and then there's a soul floating out here. There's, the root word is like your throat, the place with which you breathe, you eat. This is your entire being, the fullness of yourself. David is commanding to praise it's a call back to Genesis 2 7 when the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. David isn't speaking to a disembodied part, he's speaking to his fullness. And he doesn't suggest a self-help practice. He uses an imperative verb. He tells his soul to b'chak. In your shed Bibles, it's the word praise, but it means to bless God, to celebrate, to adore. One form of the verb literally is more uh, vivid in, in its imagery, and it means to break down or to bend the knees. David is saying, everything within me, Barak, bless God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Think of the last crisis or dire situation you were in. What was your first impulse? What was the very first thing that you did? For those of you who remember me me detailing the bat situation in my kitchen... We know what I did first, I ran. I left my kids in the house and I called a neighbor. (laughs) Maybe you don't literally run. Maybe you run from hard conversations or you run toward things that'll be soothing to you. Perhaps for you that's food or your phone or Netflix. Perhaps you run and you hide in a book. But it's important to ask ourselves, what is our first impulse in dire situations? Because there is an alternative. What if we became a people that, in the wake of crisis in dire situations like Psalm 101 and 102, our very first impulse was to bless God, to bend our knees and adore god 's activity in our lives? How might our thoughts and our conversations and our emotions how might all that is within us, be changed and transformed. I can remember my grandmother doing this. She would hear of someone who was in the hospital or hear of some drama going on at a farm down the road. And I remember being in her home as her only grandchild and she'd say, oh Lord, bless you. Lord, you are good. And as a child, I thought it was a little strange because I'm like, address the situation. Mima, why are you talking to God? But now as I engage Psalm 103, I'm starting to get it now. She knew that when we command our souls to praise God, God becomes the primary subject, not our view of the situation. Oh, the world needs more souls to praise God First world needs followers of Jesus to praise God first. Amen, Jim. And guess what? We know how to do this. We just did it to open the series. It was reaction because what was in us, all I had to do was give you a little bit of lead and it came right out. We know how to do this, church. We know how to do it. God never changes. And there's something about God that David knows because he can command his own soul to praise. He knows who God is. Which brings us to our second circle. The psalm includes a command to personal praise, yes, but it also highlights God in contrast to who we are. So the second call is to remember who God is in community. God's benefits are listed right here, verses three through 13, if you need to be reminded. Kyle led us uh, through prayers of the people with these verses this morning. God forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. God redeems your life from the pit. God crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things, works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. God will not always accuse, won't harbor God's anger forever. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. God doesn't repay us according to our iniquities, and God has compassion on those who fear God. In case you haven't remembered a reason to praise God yet, we serve an awesome God. For those who still can't forgive themselves, you are forgiven in Jesus' name. For those who are not living in the West or in a place of privilege, God is working righteousness and justice for you. For those who've been on the other end of an angry father or mother, the other end of their angry wrath, God is slow to anger. When you look at the text, it's interesting, the word all, A-L-L, the word is repeated seven times. And though it's not an acrostic poem, perhaps we'll get to an acrostic poem later on in the series, it's 22 verses serve as a nod to each of the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, meaning David is trying to say it all about God. David is trying to explain in mere human words the vastness of God's goodness. We don't have time to break down each of these attributes, but my favorite comes in verse 8 when Moses shows up again. Remember, book four opens with Moses' psalm, Psalm 90. So David rehearses the words Moses spoke on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34. And in verse eight, he remembers that God is compassionate. Some translations will say merciful. It's derived from the Hebrew noun for womb. And so as I was reading exploring this verse, one theologian said, God's womb-like love is available to us. God's womb love, a very maternal image. And yet in verse 13, David says... As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion or womb love on those who fear him. Don't you see this psalm is speaking to each and every one of us who has ever had a father or a mother wound. The psalmist is saying, look, I can show you a God who cares for you intimately as in the womb of your mother. But I can also show you the compassion of a father. Everything you need is found in my compassionate and steadfast love. David is trying to say it all and remind himself of every bit of what God has to offer. But this recounting who God is is held in contrast in a sense to who we are and we're told verse 15 as for mortals their days are like grass they flourish like a flower of the field the wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more but from everlasting to everlasting the lord's god the lord god's love is with those who fear him as i read this verse i have an image of my peonies that are in my driveway One word for peonies, I mean, they're beautiful, but they are fickle. I drove past them on my way out this morning and just the slight little rub of our, I call it our bus, it's our suburban, our bus pulled out, just a slight rub and the peonies just withered, just fell off. And I said, really, that's all it took? Don't you know God knows that we're the exact same way? Don't you know God knows who we are because God created us? God knows that we're trying to get it together, but God also knows that just like the grasses and the flowers of the field, the wind blows over and we're, we're gone. And so it does us well, church, to remember who we are in contrast to God's everlastingness. What great comfort and hope that brings to those of us who feel like it all hinges here. It all hangs with us. It's all determinant upon what we do, how we strategize our best foot forward. But God knows. A portion of this verse was quoted in Mary's song from Luke 1. If you read into the Gospels, and as she was in communal presence with Elizabeth, she sang this song. So I really do believe the communal contrast, it helps us remember our place and our temporal nature in light of God's place of forever dominion. So not only do we need to command our own souls but we also need to remember who God is and who we are in light of the covenantal promise together. Praising God is not just personal. I hope on your way out you take a look on this west wall. Because as we've been writing on these wooden boards over the last series of Nehemiah, the hopes and the promises we hope are realized in our midst, they're all tucked in between these wooden boards. And these boards serve as an audio wave. And if you were to say them, it would say a Jesus people for the sake of the world. So my hope, thank you, Jim Smith and Terry Gruders, who helped put this together. My hope is that this one artistic installation is a reminder to us of this promise, this, is an example of our communal worship. Another way we can bless God in community, sure, we can remind ourselves corporately that we are dust and we can tell each other, you're dust, your days are numbered. I don't know how well that's gonna go over. But one of the most powerful ways is to tell each other the story and to remind each other of the promises and God's benefits, to testify to who God is in our lives as we all navigate the tension of our lives individually and within this current cultural moment. I love this quote again from the Bible Project, as we hope for the messianic kingdom, that hope will create tension. But the Psalms teach us not to ignore the pain in our lives, but at the same time, biblical faith is forward-looking, looking toward promise, looking toward the promise of God's future kingdom. So before we go to the table, we'll hear a couple of these stories from our community in just a moment, because I wanted you to hear from us But before we do, really quickly, the final circle points to a cosmic call. Psalm 103 reminds us that our praise joins the praise of all creation. Angels, all his works everywhere in God's dominion praise God. So it's helpful for me to remember that God is receiving the blessing that God deserves whether or not I choose to join the chorus. God's blessing of creation is not dependent on us. This morning as I walked out, I walked Chance or doodle out the door and I heard birds. And I said, God, this is just an example. All of creation is constantly praising you. This is an invitation. The end of Psalm 103 starts right back where we began. And it is an invitational command to say, because all of creation already is praising God, would you join in the chorus too? So that's the final invitation, Marcel. No, you don't have to praise God. You don't have to back God, but all of creation praises the Lord and we get to praise God too. For the final, um, for the final, uh, yeah, just few moments, I asked Tim Nelson, our associate pastor, to send me the names of some folks in our formation school who just finished up this last cohort. And I said, Tim, would there be a couple people willing to offer their testimony, their communal testimony of praise in light of Psalm 103? And so we get to hear this morning, via video, short clips from Kristen and from Andrew. So would you
2: take a look at the string now? Hey, Marcel, my name is Kristen Borst. In Psalm 103, the psalmist talks about praising the Lord, who satisfies our desires with good things. In the fall of 2021, I was feeling disenchanted with life and society, and particularly with the American church. I was definitely desiring authentic hope and ended up finding that in my participation in the Formation School cohort. Together with a group of 14 people, we had space to wrestle, both naming our struggles as well as the faithfulness of God. We were able to encourage each other in the processes of learning and unlearning and were invited to step into ancient practices meant to both grow and sustain us. Journeying together with this group over the last nine months has indeed provided space for me to both borrow and cultivate fresh hope, a good thing indeed. So good, in fact, that I would brave my fear of public speaking to share that with you. Grace and peace. Psalm
3: 103, verse two and three. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases? Hello Marcel Family. My name is Andrew Kovach. My wife and I have four children between the ages of six months and seven years old, and we just got a puppy too, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, as awesome as all of that is, there's no shortage of opportunities for me to fall short of his kingdom. Uh, but God forgives, and God heals. Uh, Earlier this past week too, I was golfing with my father-in-law and when I picked him up Saturday morning, he had been bleeding from his mouth all night. He is a cancer survivor going on over 15 years now. So we still went golfing. Uh, We did really well on the front nine, but uh, fell apart on the back nine. Uh, That that doesn't really matter though. uh, Later that day, He was rushed uh, to Ann Arbor in an ambulance and underwent emergency surgery which put him on a ventilator and thank God they were able to get him off of the vent after a couple unsuccessful tries Uh, a few days in the hospital and he's home and healing because God heals you know with all of what is going on in our world today it's really easy to become distracted and you know forget that he forgives all of our iniquities he heals all of our dis- uh, our diseases so i choose to bless the lord all oh, my soul thank you
1: so as we come to the table i'm reminded of words by author and professor soon chin ra who says the communities that have oftentimes experienced lament oftentimes have the most celebratory songs. So my prayer, Mars Hill, is that as we come to this table and rehearse who Jesus is in fulfillment of everything, all the benefits that God says he is in Psalm 103, Jesus came to this table and he fulfilled in himself. So as we rehearse God's benefits, may we also rehearse this story here at the table. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Would you pray with me? How right and a good and joyful thing at all times and in all places to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you. We join our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so, Spirit, we pray that as you have done in generations before, that you would come and nourish us through this meal. May this nourishment remind us of who we are in light of who God is. And may it give us strength to tell the story and forever praise God's name alongside all of creation. Amen. So on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and after giving thanks, He broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, drink it in memory of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so together, Mars Hill, we proclaim the mystery of our faith alongside brothers and sisters, believers all around the world, not just here in this room or West Michigan. And that mystery is this, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And so we invite you as we enter into another space to raise our souls to God with all that is within us, to take the time that you need. We have Brian in the back who would love to pray with you. We have our prayer walls open. Perhaps this is an opportunity for you to be truthful and honest before God in a way that is new for you. But may it lead you to a place of fresh praise and communal testimony to the God who is worthy. Come for all is ready. Receive who you are, the body of Christ.